Welcome to Truth in the Word. Join us today as we allow the Word of God to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Now, here's your host, Pastor Jim Newsom. Yes, good day. This is Pastor Jim Newsom, and this is Truth in the Word on Anchor Broadcasting. I'm going to continue on today in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 8, last time, in a way of review. We spoke of Stephen, we spoke of how he was martyred, and uh, how Jesus was standing by the Father's right hand, welcoming home. And he was the first martyr uh, to ever give his life for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the New Testament church. So today we're going to talk about uh, Saul becomes the chief persecutor of the church and the church is scattered, which the church being scattered, we're going to find out is a good thing uh, because the gospel was to be preached uh, just not in one area, but he said, go to all the nations and preach the good news lifting up the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible declares that if Jesus is lifted up, that all men are drawn unto him. So we'll start right off with Acts 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, be Stephen's death. At the time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at where? Jerusalem. That was their center location. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So here we have the, we have arrived at the second major division of this book. Chapters 8 through 12 covers the working of the Holy Spirit through the apostles and of course, of course the deacons that we're, that we're talking about in Judea and Samaria. So like we said before, Saul becomes the chief persecutor of the church. This causes the church to scatter. But the persecution helps spread the gospel. So even in Paul's rebellion, even in Paul's uh, persecution of the church of Jesus Christ, it worked for good for the church. And of course, we know he's going to be converted um, on the road to where Damascus. So it says that the church was suffering persecution. Jesus said in the word, he said, uh, in this world or in this time of the age, you shall suffer persecution, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. So he promises the believers, those that believe in his name, those that believe in his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and his ascension, and still waiting for him to come back, will suffer persecution. Because the Bible declares, he said, I'm hated by the world, so to speak. And he said, because they hate me, they will hate you. So Acts 8.2 says, And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Now, of course, there was those that were members, those that were there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell, and uh, they were part of the church. And most likely, these were those that carried him to his 
grave and cried over him. Um, but to go back to chapter 7, the Bible declares Stephen looked up and saw Jesus standing by the Father's right hand. So he was martyred, but it doesn't say this in the scriptures, but um, he's not really concerned, I don't think, with the fact that he's dying. Just the fact he saw Jesus standing by the Father's right hand. Now, we made reference to that in the last podcast that uh, uh, Jesus sits at the Father's right hand. But here, in this case, we see him standing. Of course, this is to welcome home Stephen, the faithful martyr that uh, did not compromise the word of God. Uh, under the threat of death and being stoned, which we read to you last time, they got so mad at him that they gnashed their teeth or bit him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's that's crazy, but that's exactly what happened. So, uh, but he was... Uh, buried people mourned him and um the bible said um absent from the body present with the lord so we we believe that and under this dispensation in which we live or the time of this age jesus christ has already went to the cross because of what he did on the cross then when a man woman boy or girl dies in christ then they're absent from the body the spirit leaves the body and is present with the Lord. Of course, they don't know Christ the Spirit goes somewhere else, which the Bible explains that. So we need to know that we are eternal beings. Uh, the body that we have is simply temporary. The Bible de declares it's like a vapor, uh, just, just like, a, like, like a moment in time. The Old Testament says for uh, men's days are short and full of trouble. So we're living in a temporary state. Abraham, the Bible declares, was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He was a nomad of sorts. And uh, this world, as far as he was concerned, was not his citizenship. Okay, so if we are born again, if we are children of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, then this world is not our citizenship. We are simply, as the Bible declares sojourners are just passing through. The Bible declares that it's appointed and demand wants to die. Then the judgment, that's an appointment that no one can escape. No one. The moment we are born, we begin to die because of the fallen nature of man, because simply of a three-letter word, sin. But Jesus took care of our sins on the cross. He abolished death per se not that we don't die but paul said that death has no sting and the grave has no victory over us if we are in christ if we've accepted him if we are born again if we have a relationship with him if he is lord of our lives if he sits on the throne of our heart it's one thing to uh, uh, acknowledge him or heard of him but do we really know him? Job said when he was going through his trials and through his tests, he said, I had, I, I, I had some knowledge of him. I, I knew somewhat of him, but now that he's brought me through, now that he's seen me through this terrible, terrible trial, he says, now I know him. Sometimes the only way we know God is by the troubles in our lives. Amen. All things work to good for those that love him and are called according 
to his purpose. So we need to look up. Amen. We need to get our chins off the ground and know that we are sealed, the Bible says, with the Holy Ghost until the day of our total redemption, which, of course, is the glorification of the body. The Word of God says he will, re he will reunite the spirit with the body, but the body will be a new body. We're already justified. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we we are operating or living in progressive sanctification through his blood, but we are looking for the future glorification. And this is what happened with Stephen. He just went to be with the Lord. The body that they carried to the grave was not actually Stephen, but, but a dead body. But the Bible declares if we believe in the resurrection, which the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 15, we need to read that. That is coming a day when the spirit of man will reunite with the body, but will not be the old broken down body, but a new body, the Bible declares. Okay. Acts 8 3. As for Saul, he made havoc. Uh, that word havoc there means injury. He uh, ravaged like a like an animal seeking prey, per se, of the church. Okay, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, every house and hailing or dragging the men and women and committed them to prison. He didn't matter what what uh, uh, what uh, what gender they were, they were committed to prison. In Philippians 3, 6, he talks about himself. He says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. So he had a zeal for what he did. He, his vision was to destroy anybody and arrest or even kill anybody that preached Jesus Christ and preached him crucified. Of course, we know that's going to change. Acts 8, 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, what? Preaching the word. That's what it says there. Even they were moved out of where they were by persecution. They were forced out by persecution. But we see that they didn't, wherever they was driven to, they preached the word of God because they were unctioned to do so. Amen. Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. In other words, it's what we do as Christians. We witness and we lift up the name of Jesus Christ. They were scattered under persecution probably not real comfortable, wasn't in an ideal situation. See, so many times we think we need to reach an ideal situation to do anything for God. Well, if you're going to wait for that, then it'll never happen because we're never going to be in an ideal situation in this world. Amen. For man's days is full of trouble. Man's days are full of trouble. That's, what, that's, that's where we live. Amen. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we are mandated to preach the word of God, stand on the word of God, rightly divide the word of God, because we know, we, we believe that the word of God, the Bible is an inspired book, not written by men, but penned by the Holy Ghost, 66 books, 40 different authors, but everyone under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You've got to believe that the Holy Spirit penned the Bible. 
And you do that by comparing scripture to scripture, how one scripture complements another, especially from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That takes away the contradictions. Amen. So the word of God is his word, quick and powerful, sharper than two-edged sword, cuts asunder and divides, goes forth and does what it's what 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 it's going to do and never comes back void, but accomplishes. The Bible says, give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. This is the word of God. When John saw our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ glorified, one thing he saw was out of his mouth proceeds a sharp two-edged sword, which is the word of God. Amen. <clears throat> so this worked, like I said, when they were scattered abroad, they were still preaching. Okay, still, still being the church. Being the church doesn't uh, praise God equate to where you're living or what situation you're in. Regardless of who you are, what you are, whatever you're going through, you're still part of the body of Christ. And we have a mandate to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, to point the world, which is lost and dying. Amen. Men, men, men look to other means by which to help, to get help. But we know today that our help cometh from the Lord. We look up because our redemption draws nigh. So they were scattered. This worked for good for the church with a greater opportunity to preach the word. <clears throat> okay, verse 5, Acts 8. We're going to talk about another deacon. Uh, so Philip becomes the chief witness, one of the seven that was that was ordained or called to be a deacon. Uh, they were in the helps ministry. Now we we talked about that. They ministered daily to the New Testament church and passing out food or clothes or whatever it might be. Uh, the 12 said that uh, uh, it was waiting on tables, per se. So they said, we don't have time to wait on tables. We must give ourselves to the word of God. And these seven were called, but yet these deacons still had qualifications. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they even preached the word of God. So Philip becomes the chief witness after death of Stephen. So he's the second deacon to be used by God. Acts 8, 5. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Okay, he's out of where? The main city. He's out from among the core of the church. He was driven out of Jerusalem. And he preached. Who did he preach? Christ unto them. He preached. He was a deacon, but yet he preached. Okay. So now the word is going to Samaria. Okay. Many uh, uh, scholars say that uh, that could have been Shechem, the name, the name of the city. We don't really know. Acts 8, 6, and the people with one accord. Now we see one accord, this word is used in Acts chapter 2 when they were in one accord and one mind waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Of course, we know suddenly they came. We know, we know what happened. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit prophesied in Joel chapter 2, which, which Peter only talks about the first part of Joel, which is the outpouring of the Spirit. Okay, so you go to Joel, Joel chapter 2 and you'll start to read about the judgment that comes upon the world. A dark and a gloomy day, as as is the day of the Lord. Okay, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he 
dead. He wasn't an apostle, a deacon, but still worked miracles. Mark 16, 17 says, And these signs shall follow them that believe that in my name shall they cast out devils and shall speak with new tongues. So Philip operating in the gifts of the Spirit, which, by the way, are still in operation today. And uh, uh, they're not a sideshow. They're not something to edify man. Now, we talked about this in former podcasts, uh, how Paul lays out in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, the proper operation of the gifts in the church. And praise God, the confusion comes when people operate, saying they operate in the gifts, but yet they are not operating in the true gifts. Amen. The Bible says that men have a form and a fashion. And that's why we are to be those that stand back and say, well, is this of God? So how do we how do we do that? We compare it to what's going on in Scripture. First Corinthians 14 and 12 says, Even so ye for much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel, listen, to the edification or the edifying of the church. Okay, he says in Ephesians 4, talking about the five-fold ministry, he says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, Ephesians 4, 11, and some pastors and teachers, the five-fold, for the perfecting what now, what is the five-fold, which I believe is still in operation. I don't. I don't believe we choose our calling. I don't believe we call ourselves apostles or prophets or whatever it might be. I believe it's God that chooses what ministry we operate in because there's a preparation for the perfecting of the saints. Ephesians 4.12. Why do these why do these offices operate in the body of Christ? For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, comma, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Never about a man, never about the title. Amen. Apostles, those that are sent, prophets, those that prophesy, fans, those that go preach, and pastors, those that take care of the sheep, and teachers, those that teach the sheep. Okay, for the perfecting of the saints. This is why this fivefold ministry is placed in the body of Christ and the gifts of the Spirit, as well as the fivefold ministry, are to operate in all decency and in all order according to Scripture. Amen. According to Scripture. If somebody brings a message in tongues, there's a lot of confusion. Amen. An outward message in tongues, a boisterous, forceful message in tongues then there needs to be an interpretation. And if interpretation does not come from someone else, then that person that gave forth that message needs to interpret according to the scriptures. Okay, we talked about that before. Okay, all gifts and offices are given by the Holy Spirit by his discretion for the edifying of the body. <clears throat> Excuse me, we go on and read what, what, what else went on in Acts 8 verse 7. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, 
and many taken with palsies that were lame and healed. Okay. That word possessed there <clears throat> uh, could be could mean oppressed, demonized, uh, affected by these unclean spirits. And they still operate in the world today, according to what the Word of God says. So they were possessed, it says, or affected, oppressed. <clears throat> okay. But they went because Philip was preaching under the unction of the Holy Ghost. He was using the name of Jesus. He was a possessor of the Holy Ghost, a professor of the Holy Ghost, a possessor of the Holy Ghost. And he operated in the Spirit. So the power of Jesus and the name of Jesus Christ, unclean spirits have to go. In Luke 4 and 33, up to 35, and in the synagogue, there was a man, this is Jesus now, operating, which had his spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. So we see these spirits knew who Jesus Christ was, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who... Art thou the Holy One of God? And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. So we see those <clears throat> that are oppressed and depressed and demonized. These spirits have to leave them in the name of Jesus. And it says he also, uh, through the Spirit of God, palsies were healed. Now the word, now the word palsy there means paralyzed or feeble in Luke 5 and 24 but that ye may know that the son of man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins he saith unto the sick of the palsy I say unto thee arise and take up thy couch and go unto thy house so who has power to forgive sins and also over spirits or palsies Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. Verse 8 says, because of all of these things that were happening. Now, let's go, let's go back up here. So, and that were the lame, or those that were crippled, were also healed by the power of God. Verse 8. And there was a great joy in that city. There was a great joy in that city. Why? Because people were being set free. Spirits were being cast out. Palsies were those that were crippled, were being healed. Those who were paralyzed were getting the use of their body back again. In Nehemiah 8.10, he said unto them, Go ye the way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So because of what was going on Samaria, there was great joy because of the preaching of this deacon named Philip. Okay. The power of God worked through him. Okay. Verse 9, Acts 8, 9, we come up on a character who was uh, uh, Simon the sorcerer. And there was a certain man. This is Acts 8, 9. 
called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. Okay. So it's, it, it indicates here that the people believed and were bewitched by this man. They actually believed that he was a great one and he, of course, believed himself. So scholars say that some writers say that Simon claimed he was, the, he was the father. Now listen, what the man claimed. Father who gave the law to Moses. Okay, he probably wasn't born yet. And he came in the reign of Tiberius as the son. And he descended upon the disciples at Pentecost in the flames of fire, that he was the Messiah. Hmm. The paraclete and Jupiter were the Holy Spirit, and Jupiter, of course, is a pagan god. And that the and and that the woman who accompanied him named Helena or Minerva, which means first intelligence, was also his companion in all these things. So he was um, he was cultic. Okay, he claimed to be the, the father who gave the law to Moses. No, he claimed to be the son of Tiberius, claimed to be Christ. He claimed to be the Holy Spirit that descended upon the disciples of Pentecost in flames of fire. And he says he was the Messiah, namely the paraclete. Paraclete is the Greek term for the Holy Spirit, which is helper, one that comes alongside to help. And Jupiter, okay, like I said before, which is a uh, a Greek or Roman god, and the woman who accompanied him called Helena Minerva, which, which she indicated to be the first intelligence. Okay. The Lord said in Matthew 24, verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, the indication, okay, for those that come, Claiming to be this and claiming to be that, what you always find out is self-gain and self-serving and self-righteousness. Look who I am. We cannot operate and do what God wants to do unless we have a broken and a contrite spirit because, because uh, arrogance and pride will not stand before God. And God cannot and will not use an arrogant person. Okay, they might operate in something. They might even operate in a familiar spirit. Okay, which that goes on all the time. Okay. So we see this man now. Keep this man in mind. Uh, now there was, back in those days, there was rites of the sciences of the Magi and the worshipers of fire among, among, among those in Persia. Acts 8, verse 10. This is what happened, how they how they regard regard this cultic man, or this they called him Simon the sorcerer. Now, the Old Testament you can read where God condemned those that operated in sorcery. Okay. Acts 8, verse 10, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God and to him they had regard because that of a long time over a period of time he had what bewitched them with sorceries or a spirit of deception 
So these people felt the Simon the sorcerer was like a God or maybe even God, just as with these people, there are a great many people who are bewitched today. Amen. Paul talked to a church at where? A church at Galatia. And we'll talk about that later. So to bewitch means to mess with one thought life, to mess with your beliefs, to move you off of sound doctrine into false doctrine, to lessen the impact of the gospel, and to attack God's holiness, to attack God's son, saying things he wasn't born of a virgin, the blood really has no power. That's what they say. He was just a teacher. This is bewitching. He was just a teacher, but he wasn't the son of God. But he was. He was virgin born. His blood does have power, has all power. Amen. And he is the son of the living God. Amen. The psalmist wrote, said, And the father said to the son, Sit by my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So next time we're going to go, uh, we're going to read read verse 11. And we'll we'll probably start with 10 also to go over that again. But things are starting to happen in the book of Acts. Paul starting to come on the scene. Amen. God's working out his plan in his New Testament church. We're praying for you. Look unto the Lord. Look unto the author and, and finisher of your faith. He's more than able to keep you. And meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. If you don't know the Lord, call upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says you shall be saved. Get in his word and get in a good Bible-believing church. God bless till next time. We want to thank you for listening to Truth in God's Word today. You can check us out on Facebook at The Truth in God's Word. There you can message us for any reason, whether it be prayer request, comment about the show, or if you would just like to let us know subjects you would like to hear about on Truth in God's Word. We pray that you have a blessed day.